Welcome to the Vault Studios Fantasy Football Podcast, your one-stop shop for all fantasy football info. Here are your hosts. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Vault Studio Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Lewis Glover, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Corey Easley, and a very special guest returning. We didn't scare him away the first time. It is Ian Harditz from Pro Football Focus Fantasy. Corey, Ian, how are you guys doing? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It was good talking uh, in the summer, and now we're talking with some actual uh, football to break down on just a couple of days. So, uh, you know, always a good time to talk some ball, even if we're on uh, opposite sides of the planet. Yeah, man. Absolutely. For sure. It's great having Ian back on, and, you know, hopefully we don't have to discuss Tampa Bay backfield too much this time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I think we're going to talk about it just a little bit. (laughs) I got, I've got a little victory victory lap to run over you from from last week, Corey. So uh, yeah, we're de- we're definitely gonna oh, I can't wait. We're, <laughs> we're definitely gonna uh, get into that. Um, we got a we got a, a loaded show this week. Uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about. We're gonna get into some of the stuff that Ian's been churning out every week over there at PFF. But before we get into it, I just wanted to remind everyone that we are brought to you by Breaking Oz Memorabilia. They are bringing you some of the best authentic sign helmets and merchandise in Australia. So head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Breaking Oz. Oz is spelled O-Z. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Breaking Oz and get involved in a Raz, get involved in a break and get yourself some incredible merchandise uh, and stay tuned for some pretty Awesome announcements Announcements from the Vault Studio concerning the opportunity to get your hands on some incredibly legitimate swag. And speaking of swag, I know he loves uh, his running backs with swag. Ian, um, let's get right into it, man. Let's 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 dive into some of the uh, the big issues of the week, some of the uh, the the news and and important notes. I think the biggest thing this week is you know Chris Godwin's going to be out for a while. Which sucks, right? We draft we drafted him highly. He was a, a a second round pick, sort of going in that in you know the top ten wide receivers before before the season started. He's he's had the concussion. Now he's got the hamstring injury. How do you see this this wide receiver group shaking out over the next few weeks? Yeah, we got uh, Mike Evans now. You know, obviously undisputed number one. He's been putting up some uh, Jordan Howard esque receiving lines this year. I I, I, I kind of <laughs> love it. Uh, week one, he had one catch for two yards and a touchdown. They went over a hundred yards, whatever. And last week, classic, two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. So really been fun there. I think uh, you know it's interesting because I. You know, this whole offseason, Bruce Arians has been talking about the running backs and, you know, we, we've – and the kind of the consensus uh, takeaway has always been don't listen to Bruce Arians when he says anything. The guy's a liar when it comes to playing time to the media. And then last week happens and, you know, he's saying, oh, we brought Gronk in to be a blocking tight end. Even Gronk comes out and says that. And I bought it all up. I didn't even think twice about this. Well, they pulled a fast one on us because Gronk was more involved uh, than ever last week. Caught six to seven targets for 48 yards, uh, season-high snaps. And, yeah, I think, I mean, Gronk 
Gronk and OJ Howard, and maybe even we get a little more uh, Cam Bray because he hasn't even been involved. So I think these tight ends are going to take a big step forward again. Obviously, Mike Evans is number one, but the only other guy that maybe could have some sort of uh, you know relevance here is Scotty Miller. And I know he done it in week two, which is when everyone was using him without Goblin, but the guy really has been uh, you know getting a lot of deep threat, you know, fantasy friendly looks through three games. I mean, look, Scotty has thirteen targets, but Will Fuller has sixteen, and they have the exact same uh, two hundred twenty four air yard total. So you know, I'm not saying Scotty's Will Fuller. I mean, uh, Fuller's my guy. I'm not trying to put him down, but I do think uh, Scotty, you know, has an underrated ceiling that we're going to see some uh, boom weeks here sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think that's that's possible. Uh, Corey, what's your take on this, man? Well, I was always Evans over Godwin anyway, so this is working out. You were, you great were for me. So, uh, that being said, I don't think Brady has looked particularly comfortable yet. I think he's still kind of working his way through this whole thing. And I, I like the Scotty Miller call just because he is the fastest receiver on this team. Um, you know, he's an absolute burner. So I, I could see him um, taking a step forward. I think he's probably a sneaky grab if he's still out there in, in any of your leagues. Because I think as this offense steadily gets better – going down the road here um it's someone that you probably need to look at for sure yeah i scooped him up in a couple of places this week i think after people got burned week two they some some people were pretty hasty and and dropped him right away again so i've definitely picked him up in a few places and uh, and we'll be looking to to roll him out in in the flex spot until until godwin comes back um and mike evans do we, we 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 comfortable with that you know, the volume, do we think that's these are sort of anomalies and he's more in that sort of eight to 10 target range? Like Bruce Arians said, he feels he was sick that Mike Evans didn't get 10 targets. And he, and that was one of the times when Bruce Arians told the truth. You know, he has this reputation as a, you know, a fat Pinocchio, but, you know, he's been, he's, you know, he, he was on the money about Mike Evans, at least in week two. Okay, I don't think I've ever heard anyone call him Fat Pinocchio before, but <laughs> I guess now he has that reputation because that's hilarious. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, that, that was a hilarious quote. And yeah, he got 10 targets right after that. Yeah, I mean, no, he's going to be fine. And honestly, like the fact that him and Brady have shown as good a chemistry as they have uh, near the goal line already is just, you know, the icing on the cake of it. So, you know, he should have a much higher uh, yardage floor here moving forward without Goblin. And we already know he can score a touchdown. So, you know, it really wouldn't be shocking if the season's said and done. Evans is flirting with that uh, 15 touchdown mark. Guy is impossible uh, to cover down there. He ran a fade last week where like his footwork got him like three yards separate. Like he didn't even need to use his six five six six <laughs> frame, whatever he is. He was just that wide yeah. open, even though they were at the one yard line. So he's so good. And yeah, I mean, I think we're gonna see just more and more bigger days to come. He should be anyone's idea of a top ten, uh, even top you know eight receiver moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's just supremely talented. And then you add the physical gifts on top. He's, he is supremely dominant. And the opportunities have been beamed there from him. And even going all the way back to week one, he, he didn't show up in the box score. But if, you know, hashtag team watch the tape, you saw, you know, Brady was targeting him and uh, he just was drawing DPI, uh, you know, and was had at his uh, wrestle and his entanglements with uh, with Lattimore as he is as he is one yeah. to do tw- twice a year. But, but, but you're right. Brady has definitely got a, a bit of a relationship with him established, and that that's the guy he's 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 really trusting and going to. Now, Corey, I said we'd talk about it. Let's let's move on to the backfield here because after week two, it was you know it was Leonard Fournette. He's the dog. He's got the you know he, this is his backfield. That's the guy Brady wanted. And then week three came around, and Rojo had more of the opportunities. Is this just going to be a week to week shit show? Like, what are what are your thoughts on this? 
Oh, me, sorry. Oh, I, I, anyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, real quick. Yeah, I mean, look, this is what we've seen uh, uh, last year. It just goes back and forth. Now it's Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Last year it was Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. Fournette looked great in week two, but, you know, let's face it, anyone looks good against the Carolina Panthers if you play running back. And, you know, Fournette made the most of those opportunities. But, you know, Rojo has really looked like the better back in weeks one and three. So I don't think either of them are pulling away anytime soon. And we got LaShawn McCoy just playing the Dari Ogun Bawale role where he's getting, you know, 20, 30% snaps and a handful of targets per game. So uh, the Bucks do lead the league in uh, targets to the running back position right now. I mean, even last week with uh, Shady having those two targets, Fournette still found a way to get two and Ronald Jones actually had four. So, I mean, these guys aren't useless uh, in fantasy by any stretch, but I, I just don't think there's enough guaranteed workload at this point to treat them as, you know, more than top 20 kind of eight top 30 options and there's just kind of like that low ceiling associated with these because we don't even know if we can ever get you know 20 touches here so for some reason on DraftKings, Fournette's at 5600 and ronald jones is at 4700 so i don't know where that whole pricing disparity is coming from <laughs> but you know what like 7.5 uh favorites at home i think uh you know this could be a situation where Either one of them has a big week, but, you know, trying to uh, discern who, who it's going to be uh, here on uh, Thursday is going to be difficult more times than that. Right, for sure. Uh, Corey, what are you doing with the backfield moving forward? Did you, you know, I, I already said, I, I said last week, nothing, if you were a donkey, if you were a donkey and you drafted Fournette and you, you sort of got bailed out, you missed your window to sell high. <laughs> that's two fuck ups. Now, what are you, what are you doing with yeah. Fournette moving forward? Yeah, well, if you're, if you have him, I think you just have to hold him and hope that eventually it kind of works out his way. Um, you know, even like a 60, 40 split or something, um, or he just gets goal line touches and you're hoping for some touchdowns. So um, if you have him, you have to hold him. I don't think you can sell him for very much at this point. Right. And you're kind of hoping for that, you know, that eight to 10 touchdowns there towards, you know, moving forward. Right, yeah, just you, you're really hoping for the, for the touchdown to to get to get something out of your week, I think. Uh, all right, moving on to uh, the Arizona Cardinals and Andy Isabella. Uh, you know, had his, had his breakout last week. Uh, do we think he's done enough to carve out a role moving forward? Uh, will he hold off Christian Kirk when he's healthy? What, what's your read on this one, Ian? So the problem with the Isabella game was that his snaps really didn't change much. This is a four wide receiver heavy offense. And Keyshawn Johnson was actually the dude that stepped in with the featured role. And he had seven targets and a 71% snaps, even though Isabella made the most of the opportunities as he's done over the last two years. I mean, he, when he's, when he gets thrown the ball, I mean, good things have consistently happened. The guy looks like a great football player and, you know, the guy is fast as hell. So I think he is worth a bench spot in deeper leagues because at some point this talent needs to win out. I mean, it's kind of the same idea with Miko Hardman and you know to Isabella's credit he is kind of like a you know middle-class man's Miko Hardman and that they really are like almost wide receiver handcuffs whereas we saw here with Christian Kirk Kirk gets hurt if Fitz or Hopkins got hurt I mean that's where Isabella is gonna see his uh you know usage increase and he is good enough and has enough of a you know rapport with Kyla Murray to uh, make the most of it so you know Isabella and Miko are these wide receivers that you're not gonna start more weeks than not, because you just can't play anyone that's going to be on the field for fewer than half of their offensive snaps. But, right. you know, we have seen the ceiling. And, you know, like Cowboys Cedric Wilson, there are a few guys around the league of these number four uh, wide receivers that can really pop off if given an opportunity. I do think Isabella is one of them. So, you know, week, uh, even if Kirk uh, is out this week, he's going to be a little bit of a thin play. But, uh, you know, the second we get, 
that, oh, crap, you know, Isabella played 70% snaps last week or something. When he gets that, you know, Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins role increase, Isabella's going to be at the top of any, uh, you know, waiver claim article. So if you got the room, uh, I you know, I would love to have him on my bench, but I understand if you, if you can't because, yeah, the, the, week to week it's going to be kind of a, a low ceiling until we see a true workload change. Right, right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. It was good to see good to see him get out there, good to see him score. But, yeah, it, 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 he, he is the ultimate cliche, you know, Better, better in best ball. It's just that late, that lazy, shitty take. But like, there's a handful of players that are that you know that are fit into that category. As you said, the you know handcuff style wide receiver. You don't necessarily be able to predict when that spike in snaps will come. But yeah, uh, Isabella fits in, in into that one. Uh, and then the one last guy I wanted to talk about, and I guess it's really not like news and noteworthy, but I'm just like I'm frustrated, and I want to get I want to get your take, and then I'll get Corey's take as well. AJ Green is like the opportunities there. I'm throwing money, good money after bad, bad money after good, chase, chasing the opportunity. I'm chasing the air yards. What's is he washed? Is based off what you've seen, and, and you know, and I know you watch every game and you go back and review them. Like, is AJ Green just dusted? Is it bad chemistry? What what's your takeaway? Has not been good by any stretch, but I mean, yeah, second most air yards in the entire league. I don't think he's like this unusual uh, fancy asset at the moment. You know, he got locked up by Darius Slay last week, but who hasn't at some point among us? So, uh, you know, what wasn't the, exactly the easiest bounce back spot for him following that three for 13 game. But, you know, it's not like Green's going to lose his job anytime soon. Uh, the guy that lost his job is John Ross, and that was why T. Higgins was playing the uh, full-time role. But, you know, I, I love, you know, 2020 trading camp MVP, Auden Tate more than the next guy like more than almost any guy i know but i don't think he's you know a true threat to stealing any sort of aj green's uh you know week to week uh role and what is we're gonna see him just have uh better days again you know more errors than anyone other than calvin ridley at some point you know even a broke clock is right uh twice a day and when you're facing the jaguars it might very well uh be that day in the secondary you know i know i know cj henderson had a lot of hype coming out but, you know, all these rookie cornerbacks, I mean, Jeffrey Okuda included, you can be the uh, next big thing at the position, still not be, uh, you know, someone we should fear in fantasy land uh, their rookie year. So I would keep going back to A.J. Greenwell. I have him and Boyd right next to each other this week. And look, no one has taken more dropbacks than Joe Burrow through three weeks. I don't think, like, the only situation I can remember truly just fading this sort of volume was, like, last year uh, with Kalen Balaj and some of those Dolphins, like, running backs. So I don't think A.J. Green quite qualifies as someone we need to freak out about uh just yet and honestly like you're not gonna be able to sell them high right now uh, as it is so i think you just sit tight and hope that that volume turns into something yeah. in the next few weeks right uh cory uh, what, what what are your thoughts man i know you've you've, you've watched him as well yeah i just my biggest i was trying to get aj green last week so um it'll be easier to try to get him this week so <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, that's for sure. So I, I, I was chasing the air yards and things like that, the, just the targets and, you know, the, the amount of work that he gets in that offense is, you know, something that has to turn around at some point. So um, he's got the ability and, you know, hopefully he gets it turned around. I mean, Boyd had a huge game last week. It was ridiculous. Um, but, you know, hopefully Green finally gets, gets his turn. I, I mean, that whole Bengals offense – you know, mix Joe Mixon included. Please, please do something. <laughs> 
something <laughs> the opportunity is there yeah it's 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 got to come at some point maybe it's this week at the the expense of the jacksonville jags now we don't usually give out homework assignments on the podcast but for all of our listeners who play in dynasty leagues this is your homework before the weekend go out and try to trade for aj green send a future third round pick maybe get like kicking another back end roster guy but someone is probably despairing over aj green and you can probably get him quite cheap right now that's the that's something I would be I'd be trying to do, and you know you might get two or three usable games out of him for the rest of the season, but they could be humongous games. So uh, yeah, I think better days are going to be ahead for AJ Green. Um, all righty, let's move on uh, to a little segment called Fraud or For Real, and Ian, going to turn the spotlight on you, and we want to get two guys performances over the first three weeks that you you know that you're buying into who are for real and two guys who are fraudulent guys that you're going you know i I don't see this sustaining for you know for the rest of the season that could be good or it could be bad either way um so let's let's start off with with uh two guys who you think their performance so far is for real this is who they are and for the rest of the season you expect similar usage and output yeah, I think, uh, you know, he kind of burnt dudes last week, but continue to fire up Cam Newton as anyone's idea of a QB1. The guy is looking fantastic uh, out there, you know, uh, running the ball, getting all those goal line carries. And no, it was a dud last week, but truly, I mean, going into this year, it was the idea was, okay, healthy Cam Newton. Uh, you know, he's never been anything less than the top 12 quarterback when he's been out there and been able to play uh, all, all the games. And so, okay, that, that seemed like the floor. But, you know, I wasn't really expecting to see a return to form for like a top five fantasy option. But truly, I mean, Cam, QB7 after three weeks, I think when everything's going to be said and done, he will, you know, certainly be flirting with that top five mark. Arm looks as good as ever. They could have one more like legit uh, top five wide, wide receiver. Like, God forbid, AB didn't just burn that entire road there. Like, he'd be such a great fit to, uh, you know, uh, t- help take some pressure off of Edelman, but it is what it is. Uh, and then I'll also say, like, kind of the entire Houston Texans uh, offense, I think, is a situation that we should be looking to target, you know, potentially make a trade for here moving forward. I mean, look, they've had just the uh, start of the season from hell here, you know, with the Ravens. Steelers and Chiefs, and they came out okay, particularly Deshaun Watson, who is averaging mm-hmm. you know career high uh, adjusted uh, completion percentage this year uh, from PFF. So uh, even though not having Nuke is there, having you know all those speedy receivers around has been you know just fine for its efficiency. It's just a matter of you know can their defense not give up twenty eight plus points eventually, and I, I think that will be the case here uh, so- sooner or later, or at a minimum, the Texans are at least going to keep uh, moving the ball because up next, I mean they got the Vikings, the Jaguars twice. Titans, Packers, Browns, Patriots, Lions. Then we're in the week 13. So uh, truly a chance for, you know, David Johnson is playing almost in every down role. Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. we know, is still awesome. And then Will Fuller into a, you know, even almost same extent, Brandon Cooks and even Randall Cobb a little bit is coming on. All these guys are, you know, in a high-scoring offense. It's one of the league's best quarterbacks under center. I know it's been a bad start, but I will continue to go back to the well with the Houston Texans. Only team in NFL history to start 0-3 and then make the playoffs. And they it was the Houston Texans from 2018. So it's not like they haven't been in this position before. And I think Watson's good enough to, you know, enable all these guys around him. And, you know, slightly easier to get into the playoffs this season as well. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, of the few team of the teams that are 0-3 or winless at this stage, you'd have to think that the Houston Texans are the only one with, you know, with any hope of of doing something. 
Uh, Corey, what, what, what's your take? Uh, you know, I, I saw your uh, your heart leap out of your chest there when Brandon Cook's name was mentioned. Uh, is there anyone else on on the Houston offense that you're you're looking to you know invest in moving yeah. forward? Yeah, for sure. I think Deshaun Watson's someone you probably can target now because he's been, I think, QB 17 so far. So right. that's not really what you're looking for. So I think people might be getting a little bit squeamish on him. Um, David Johnson, someone I would pay up for at the moment. Like he's had, like you said, terrible matchups so far. And I think he's he's in a real nice spot to kind of just roll here in the next few weeks. So um, if you can grab him, you know, maybe for, you know, a middling kind of running back, a, a low-end RB2 or, you know, a solid RB2 and grab David Johnson, I think you'd get some value out of that as well. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, and, and what about some uh, some frauds? Whose performances are you not buying? You're getting out of that business. Um, yeah, what, what are you, who are you uh, not liking to sustain what they've done at this point? Yeah, I would say, you know, all the credit in the world to, you know, just worldwide superstar James Robinson, but I'm not sure if he's going to be a legit top five running back moving forward. Only Kamara, Aaron Jones, Zeke, and Dalvin Cook have more fantasy points than James Robinson. I mean, at some point, this new dude needs to drop off a little bit. I'm just getting the same kind of vibes we almost just had with the same exact team with Gardner Minshew last week, where a couple good games, we're like, all right, mm-hmm. great, Gardner, you know, QB1 season. And I think we're kind of having the same thing with uh, James Robinson here. And look, like you, you, you're going to keep starting him. I get that. But I just don't think, you know, we truly have this consistent top 10 running back. The Jaguars are likely going to finish with five or fewer wins. They are an awful football team. And Minshew makes them fun sometimes. And so mm-hmm. is James mm-hmm. Robinson. Like, he's not bad out there. But, uh, you know, Chris Thompson's still in a way, you know, almost half those snaps. Robinson had six targets anyway last week. But I just think, you know, as we get more and more games, we're going to see, you know, guys like – Nick Chubb, Josh Jacobs, Austin Eckler, Derrick Henry, you know, they're going to uh, surpass J-Rob. So, hope, yep. you know, all, all the credit to him for coming out of nowhere, but I just don't uh, quite see uh, that continuing. And then looking at uh, some of the top scoring uh, wide receivers from so far, um, out of these guys. So, Robbie Anderson, I think it's sustainable, but, you know, wide receiver 10 after a few weeks, uh, you know, we'll see. It's sustainable to an extent because his average target depth is uh, much lower than we saw in New York. I mean, Gage mm-hmm. was really trying to pigeonhole him as that, you know, strictly field-stretching talent, and he can do more than that. And they've been using him in the underneath intermediate areas of the field, and you see his uh, – average target depth sitting at a lowly, uh, you know, just 9.5 yards per target. So that's good. But at the same time, like when it, it kind of hurts that, you know, big ceiling we used to have uh, to an extent. So a little bit of a, you know, two-sided coin there. But I think he'll flirt with a uh, top 24 value the rest of the year. But again, just expecting that top uh, 10 level to continue. Uh, I'm not quite so sure. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I like that call, particularly on James Robinson, because unless, you know, unless you've lost maybe Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, you know, Robinson is, you know, probably a running back three, running back four, maybe. No one drafted him. He was a guy you scooped up off the waiver wire. So you could be in a really lucky situation where you've, you know, you've got some riches available at, at running back. So if you can, if you can package up James Robinson and move him for, you know, uh, you know a similar, you know, quote unquote production value right now, or maybe a guy you expect to move into the top 10 who hasn't quite hit the height you would expect yet. Yeah, that's that's definitely a move I, I would make. And then coming on to to Robbie Anderson, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's been performing incredibly well. He exceeded all my expectations. I think he ex- exceeded everyone's expectations. But w- what does that do for DJ Moore for you? Because we, we, you know, many people have seen the the opportunity statistics floating around Twitter, right? DJ Moore has had plenty of opportunity. Just the fantasy points haven't come yet. Do you think they're going to come at Anderson's expense, or what? What's your take on on DJ Moore? A little bit, yeah. I mean, right now it's you know Ben Robbie as almost the number one over the overall. So if anything, it's going to be a one A. 1B situation. We've seen Curtis Samuel's role, unfortunately, kind of dwindle here in the passing game oh, uh, over the past few weeks. I know, man. It's one of these years. One of these years, uh, they'll get that playmaker uh, the, the ball a little more often. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, DJ's prime. Uh, uh, he's a prime by low candidate at the moment. You know, him and Edelman being the only guys with over 50% of their team's air yards is just ridiculous. And, you know, DJ is far too talented to continue to kind of have these sort of duds he's been through. So, you know, rough first three weeks, but, you know, still plenty of time for more to turn this thing around. And, you know, everything we've seen opportunity wise is that he's that number one dude. And now McCaffrey around like is great. And it's going to, you know, show up at some point. I know week three, uh, wasn't you know the potential blow up uh, we, we were all thinking of, but I don't know, guys. I, I, I think week four is going to be the spot where we come back around Monday and we're just saying, oh man, should have gotten DJ more while that window is still open because now it's closed <laughs> and it's closed, it's closed shut. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, Corey, what are your thoughts on on Anderson more and just generally the the Panthers uh, pass catching situation? Yeah, it's it's tough. It's not pretty. I wasn't a huge DJ Moore guy coming in, so I don't know if I'm going to go grab him. Um, Robbie Anderson has been obviously. Um, I think we talked about this last week. How you know we probably should have saw this coming, being his former college coach, and you know all the writing was on the wall, but it was a little bit too obvious. So we we're like, nah, I can't. You know, can't yeah. do that 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 easy. Um, but yeah, I'm, I was I've been pleasantly surprised by him, and obviously with Samuel now getting some snaps at running back and things like that. And um, I think it's kind of muddled at, at this point. Cause I don't think Teddy is going to have like that high volume passing offense, but at the same time, like I think DJ Moore is the guy that you want um, going forward. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is, it is a shame about Curtis Samuel and I, you know, I'm just putting my predictor cap on. It's going to be the preseason in 2025 and Ian's going to be tweeting out, yeah, mashup videos of, of Curtis Samuel and Duke Johnson still. (laughs) Why are these guys getting featured roles? I, I just Googled this. Curtis Samuel will only be 29 years old in 2025. So he's still going to be out there. There's still play. time no yet. Doubt. There's still time yet. And maybe we'll see him, you know, hopefully get get some uh, snaps at running back. Because as I found out la- last week, he had more college uh, re- carries in college than he had receptions. So uh, def- definitely in his wheelhouse to to be able to do that. Um, all right. Um, so for those who, who don't uh, know or haven't seen Ian's work over at PFF. One of the things he does, which is awesome, he also puts a bunch of stuff out on Twitter, uh, is the, his wide receiver and cornerback matchups. And he gets into a, a whole bunch of uh, really interesting statistics and takeaways about the, you know, the pre the premier uh, wide receiver and cornerbacks who are going to be going head to head throughout, uh, you know, the the week. So we're going into week four. So, Ian, I was just hoping you'd be able to share with us some of the the plus matchups you like, and then maybe some some situations where you might be downgrading or even sitting entirely uh, some some players who are, who are going going up against cornerbacks this week. 
Yeah, so I think, you know, in general, uh, I, look, I, I love this article, you know, looking at the matchups every single week, but, like, don't sit your studs. I think the right. matchup is a good thing when you have, you know, wide receiver 16 versus wide receiver 18. If you can really tell out that, you know, the wide receiver 16 is in a rough spot and wide receiver 18 is in a great spot, okay, then that's maybe a situation we can change it. But, you know, we get these questions sometimes where it's like, uh, oh, my, like, uh, Calvin Ridley's facing shadow coverage. Am I going to – should I run up, you know, this wide receiver 30 instead? It's like, no, no, people do not do that. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, one of the things I like looking at is the uh, shadow matchups when a cornerback is projected to travel, you know, sideline to sideline with the wide receiver. Again, even these aren't really grounds for fading someone purely uh, just because only really uh, Stephon Gilmore, Darius Slay, and sometimes Jalen Ramsey, those are the only three corners that will move sideline and sideline and into the slot. So you've, we've seen these situations over the years. I remember one time, uh, you know, Odell Beckham had zero catches in, against Josh Norman in shadow coverage, but he had 130 yards because Norman wouldn't follow him into the slot. So a uh, situation where we can't see, you know, guys scheme their receivers open. But anyway, the, uh, you know, uh, shadow matchups this week that I think we can almost just upgrade the receiver because of it, uh, DJ Moore versus Patrick Peterson. I'm not saying Peterson's just completely washed at this point, but we've seen him over his last two seasons against kind of the you know more quick guys like dj Moore in terms of terry mclaurin uh, who had 125 and touchdown on him emmanuel sanders made his life hell uh last season i think peterson is still fine against you know the bigger body types but someone like dj Moore that can kind of really force him to uh you know show off the athleticism that you know he's felt the need to try to enhance with peds uh, a little <laughs> bit recently I, I don't think is uh you know someone to worry about so i love dj Moore again in this bounce back week even with uh that matchup uh robert wood versus james bradbury same sort of thing and I'm not hating on Bradbury at all he's been playing good this year and you know he's always kind of uh, had the rough end of the stick I mean that NFC South you look at Michael Thomas Mike Evans uh, Julio Jones I mean what a hellacious schedule he had to deal with uh, week in and week out when he was there so uh, with that said though again Bradbury is this bigger kind of plus size corner I think someone like Robert Woods that's you know winning more uh, just agility wise elusiveness route running uh, could be a situation where he wins that and plus Woods I mean Cups are slot receiver but Woods gets a ton of work inside anyway so he'll be fine uh some other good just middling matchups that can go either way both guys are talented kenny galladay versus marshawn Lattimore should be a good one with marvin jones going up against janoris jenkins who is actually trying this year so it's good to see that again uh adam thielen, adam thielen versus bradley roby roby's been like i mean he did really well against tyreek and uh hollywood brown that dude's uh playing mm -hmm. towards top of his potential but obviously thielen can uh win any spot there uh with the patriots what they've done in the past against the chiefs is they have gilmore shadow sammy Watkins, just one-on-one, -on -one, you know, take him away, please. And they have Jonathan Jones with safety help go after Tyreek. So, you know, it's been an up-and-down strategy. Tyreek just roasted this defense it's the first two times he faced them. A uh, little more chill the last two times. But, again, you're, like, you're never sitting – Tyreek Hill, uh, no matter right. what, he, he can do anything. And then uh, finally, uh, just uh, uh, one more matchup that I do like is uh, Calvin Ridley versus Yair Alexander. Alexander, like, looks so good some weeks. Like, he's going to be in the next big thing at the cornerback position. But, you know, in this spot against Calvin Ridley, I don't know if anyone could stop this dude right now. I mean, the one of the more ridiculous stats I found uh, – um, in my research this week was that Calvin Ridley with 550 air yards has more total air yards than the Jets, the Rams, and Saints football teams as a whole. Like, it's just ridiculous the amount of fantasy-friendly opportunities uh, this guy's getting. And, yeah, uh, last thing I'll say is the only, uh, you know, matchup this week I think that would truly downgrade because of the cornerback uh, shadow is Darius Slayton 
versus Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey hasn't played spectacular this year. Stefan Diggs scored on him last week. We know Michael Gallup, uh, you know, had that very questionable uh, OPI mm-hmm. against him week, week one. But, you know, as someone that was all over the Giants last week, thinking they could take advantage of that banged up uh, 49ers defense with a little more condensed targets, didn't go that way. And honestly, like, I just need to see some semblance of, like, competent football and play calling from this team right now. Because, I mean, you know, we got, we got some cool stuff behind the scenes. Uh, PFF with like, you know, play action rates and motion and all those things that smart football teams are doing. We like to see from them and the Giants are just doing absolutely none of that at the moment. So still (laughs) time to turn around. We saw the ceiling from Daniel Jones like last year. I know they can do it and like Slayton's good. But again, until we see something from this passing game and it's again, it's not an easy matchup by any stretch against the Rams. uh, I'm probably gonna be fading Slayton. That, that, that was absolutely awesome. And yeah, perhaps the most shocking piece of information to come out of that is that Joe Judge and Jason Garrett are running one of the most conservative and least creative creative offenses in football. Who who to thunk it? Um, yeah, I, I love it. Appreciate you uh, running everyone. Uh, yeah, running everyone through that. that that's great. And, um, you know, uh, at, at the risk of, you know, uh, you know, get getting getting you to share all of your your state secrets with us. Uh, you know, Corey, you know, Corey, Corey was just digging into this to before. It's like it's on my it's on my reading list uh, to to come for the week. But you also, in addition to the the wide receivers and cornerbacks, you get into the backfields as well yeah. uh, of each team. And yeah. so, uh, Corey, take, I had Corey, something what did you on that. Yeah, so I I read your article. It was awesome. Um, great insight. I just wanted to ask one question about it. Um, so I, everyone, go on, go ahead and check that out on PFF. Um, Cordero Patterson, he said, "CP's <laughs> my guy." So, what are you like? What's the I, not not to have too high expectations, but like what what can you what do you think might happen in this backfield? I know Montgomery's been playing well; he's been one of my guys. So, um, what what do you think CP can do in this offense? Again, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at my article right now. My words were, I'd love to sit here and say CP is going to get double-digit touches per game with Cohen out of the picture. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think Montgomery is just going to soup up most of those opportunities because, you know, Montgomery, he's – you know, he got this reputation as just this early down plotter because of, he had a pretty rough, you know, first couple months of last season. But he's fine catching the ball. And honestly, he's looked more like the guy that we thought he was going to be out of college than I think the guy that, again, was, uh, you know, on the field more than not weeks like 1 through 12 last year. Right now, among 67 qualified backs, Montgomery is 11th in uh, force missed tackles, 20th in force missed tackles per attempt, uh, 17th in, uh, you know, yards after contact per attempt. He's been running good out there. And, you know, even if uh, you dig further beneath the surface and look at guys, you know, who have gained that just at least two yards after contact on a, you know, high percentage of their carries, only Chris Carson and Sony Michelle have uh, been, you know, just more efficient than Montgomery in that. So he's been playing well this season. I think Nick Foles is going to lead the more uh, consistent offensive efforts, potentially more scoring upside. And yeah, I mean, you know what? I, I really hope I'm wrong on uh, Cordero Patterson. They get him the rock because the dude is, unfortunately now he has dropped to number two all time in the history of the NFL and uh, rushing yards per carry with a minimum of a hundred uh, uh, rush attempts. Shout out to uh, X Jets Bills like Wildcat dude Brad Smith. He's now the most efficient uh, rusher in NFL history. So unfortunately, I can't keep throwing that stat around. But no, I I, I, I do think that uh, Patterson he's going to keep that same you know ten maybe fifteen uh, snaps per game role just as a you know more or less a gadget. That's the way they want to use him. And Dave Montgomery is going to be you know the true bell cow looking at you know eighty percent snaps potentially 
yeah, love it. Thanks, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, it'd be sure. it'd be very cool. It'd be very cool to see uh, CPAC get a get a run like he did for that short period in in New England a couple of years ago. That yeah, that'd be really cool. Oh, we got a question in the stream here from uh, Gorgoroth, and I guess we're circling quickly back to the the wide receiver matchup. I assume uh, Devonte Parker. What do you what are your thoughts on his matchup? Yeah, it was funny if you listen to that broadcast last week. Like Troy Aikman was making it sound like Parker was like running around on one leg right. out there. But uh, you know, he's been playing good this year. He's caught 14 of 17 targets. He's averaging a career high 9.9 yards per target. I mean, okay, I, I admit, like he hasn't looked. I mean, like the most explosive we've ever seen him, but he's fine, and his snaps have been going the right direction. 37 percent, 88 percent, 92 percent over these three weeks. So the Dolphins clearly think he's fine, and yeah, I mean this spot. Um, I had a uh, action networks Chris Raybon on the uh, PFF Fantasy uh, Football podcast yesterday, and I mean it's it's funny because as good as Russell Wilson has been this year, he brought this up. Quarterbacks facing the Seahawks have actually thrown for like 300 more yards than Russell Wilson has thrown right. for this year. So their defense has been awful. I mean they've you know they've been winning their games, but they truly are a situation like the Cowboys almost, where you know as good as the offense is, one of the reasons why we're seeing these fantasy numbers is because the defense is bad enough uh, to keep the offenses a uh, foot on the gas pedal the whole time. So now you move Jamal Adams from the equation potentially with that groin injury, and it's truly uh, problematic. And also you know Quentin Dunbar, uh, really good outside cornerback he's got a knee injury and might keep him out so again this is already a secondary that was giving up plenty of production with these guys now you're removing them from the equation you know Shaquille Griffin's an awesome cornerback in his own right but the Seahawks never uh, have their corners you know follow one-on-one wide receivers so you know Parker He's going to eat. And I mean, I don't mind going back to Preston Williams and Mike Jasicki uh, either. I know last week uh, they, only, they only had the one catch and they found the end zone on it, but, you know, expected a little bit uh, bigger performances there. But Fitzpatrick, just he only threw the ball 20 times last week. And I don't think this is a game we're going to see the Dolphins up multiple scores against the Seahawks, uh, you know, early in the third <laughs> quarter. So I think it's just one, uh, one bad week with it. You know, Jasicki and Preston, I've still – uh, uh, had some uh, solid games here to start, and I think uh, this could be just a you know a, a token Fitzpatrick uh, shootout with someone. I'm a little uh, nervous, and again, I mentioned before, you know, those Gardner Minshew uh, vibes, and I, I want to be careful, more careful moving forward about projecting you know big games from these just overall bad teams. But you know what? Like we've seen Fitzpatrick over his, like even he looked great last week and the week before didn't look so great. Still had over 300 yards and two touchdowns just in garbage time alone. So, uh, you know, Seahawks again, league worst marks and receptions with 76 and 1,136 yards already allowed the wide receiver. Just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. You uh, fire Parker and, you know, fantasy leagues of all shapes and sizes this week. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love it. Corey, did you have anything to add on Parker, the Seahawks? No, just the fact <laughs> that I'm betting the Seahawks this weekend. That's all. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's um, let's let's circle back to the um, to the backfields. Is it is it happening? Is it is it, is it finally time? Ian, is it Kenyon Drake week? <laughs> I thought you were about to <laughs> talk up Miles Gaskin or something. Yeah, I, I do think uh, Drake's looking awesome. Man. I'm, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still treating him as a borderline RB one. I mean, look, it hasn't, it hasn't had the huge weeks yet, but he's one of the only eleven backs with at least fifteen touches in every game. He's been better than Chase Edmonds, like on the ground. It's not like we have a takeover uh, imminent or anything like that. It's just Kyler Murray is just being spectacular as a rushing threat so far. But I mean, a lot of it's been on scrambles. It's not like they're actively 
you know, scheming the ball away from Drake. I know last week was a spot we were all hoping, you know, would be the breakout, but he didn't find the end zone. But Drake did have his best game of the season, was looking, you know, pretty explosive getting to the second level. So, you know, mentioned this before, but anyone that plays against the Carolina Panthers, you know, is pretty much just guaranteed to ball out if you play running back. So, uh, you know, all, they were already already the league's uh, worst run defense last year by a good margin. And then you take away Luke Keekley, unsurprisingly, you know, things didn't get better. So, uh, yeah, Drake, you know, at 6,000 on DraftKings, I think he's been one of the highest owned uh, players on the main slate. And, yeah, I mean, you cannot sit – I mean, look, I wouldn't be sitting Drake in any matchup with this type of workload he has. And that's at the Panthers. I mean, I, I better not get any start sick questions with Drake this week. I'm, I'm going to be mad if so. <laughs> yeah, or you just need to set up a bot on your Twitter. If there's, you just reads Drake, you just automatically reply with – Play Kenyon Drake. Yes, Play Kenyon exactly. Drake. Um, and you know, we, we alluded to him a little bit earlier when we were talking about AJ Green, but another running back who's just had tons of opportunity. Uh-huh. It's not worked out for him yet. Joe Mixon. I, you know, is this another is this another 2019 where we're gonna see a, you know, finally the, the, a shift in his fancy performance later on in the season? How what what's your read on on the backfield, the situation with Mixon? Mixon, Drake, and David Johnson just need to be everyone's kind of top three by low RB candidates right now because they're all guys that have gotten the volume, if not more than we were hoping for, and we've just gotten a little unlucky with the scoring uh, opportunities at this point. I mean, Mixon is on pace for 315 touches. He is going to find the end zone at some point this season, preferably multiple (laughs) times. So it's, you know, up and down schedule, Jaguars, Ravens, Colts, Browns, Titans next. It's very annoying because we see Mixon, the things he can do as a receiver. If you remove Giovanni Bernard from the picture, we're looking at Uh a top five back. That's not happening, but he's going to continue to be more weeks than not, I think, moving forward the borderline RB1 that we've seen for the past three seasons. This has always been his role. It's not like that, you know, at least, I mean, we knew the top five was in his ceiling, but I mean, I, I don't know. I wasn't ranking him as that before years. It's kind of what I thought would happen. It's unfortunate uh, the touchdowns haven't been there yet. But, you know, last year, weeks one through three, Mixon had 26.8 PPR points. This year, he has 27.2. So right in line. And I know it's not it's not great to have back-to-back uh, bad starts of the year. So uh, I get that. The offensive line doesn't look good. But, you know, it does look good, Joe Burrow. And I think uh, because of that, we can feel confident about the scoring increasing at some point, even though it hasn't been pretty so far. Yeah, I agree with that. Corey, I know you're a big big Joe Mixon guy. What, what, what are you doing? Are you using this opportunity to try and go after him? Because some people are starting to, to lose the faith out there. Yeah, for sure. I'll try to grab him a few spots that I don't already have. I think I pretty much have him in seventy-five <laughs> percent of my leagues. But um, um, yeah, I'll definitely try to grab him if I can uh, for cheap, and just because of the pure volume and the talent. The talent is undeniable, and that's you know that's what I've been arguing this whole whole time. You know, I know there's there's so many people on Twitter that hate Joe Mixon now, so it's it's, it's a tough battle out there, but. Um, yeah, just keep fighting the good fight and waiting for it to turn. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I, I'm. I'm with you there. Bet better days should be ahead for Joe Mixon. We got another question in from 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 Gorgoroth, so we appreciate that. Uh, sticking with the running backs, what are your thoughts on J.K. Dobbins in Dynasty? I mean, I'll throw my two cents in there. Like, I think this guy is going to be a, a a top ten startup pick very sooner rather than later um he could be or he could be already i mean i don't have dynasty rankings in my head right now but all all things considered and you know injuries and age and all this kind of stuff and we all like the shiny new toys he he would be well on his way to you know a a, you know a a top 
you know, a second round startup pick. So Ian, what, what, what's your take on Dobbins and dynasty? Yeah, the, the Ravens can get out of Mark Ingram's contract after this season, I would guess. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the plan. Not that he's been bad, but yeah, I mean, when you got Dobbins looking as good as he is, you would think they're just going to, you know, n- not feel the need to devote that sort of money to Ingram after this year. He's been, he's been fantastic. The thing that I think people are missing, though, like it's not like Dobbins is just getting benched and like this backfield is having no success otherwise. I mean, I don't know, like what would Gus Edwards have to do to actually like earn more carries? Cause the guy leads the league in yards after contact per attempt. I know like no one's banging on the door for Gus Edwards to get more touches, but seriously, right. I think this guy, this guy can go. <laughs> we got one. Let's go. We got one. Yeah. Out we got one. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if this, if this guy had like 200 yards, uh, we'd still turn back the next week and be like, Oh, like RB, you know, 55 or something. So uh, it's, you know, it's one of these, yeah, again, I mean, Dobbins, 7.6 yards per carry, 10.2 yards per target. He's 14th in elusive rating among 65 backs. I mean, all the, you know, the metrics match what we've seen him do out there, which is, you know, just look like, uh, honestly, maybe the Ravens' most explosive offensive player other than Lamar Jackson. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, when, you know, there's hardly any consistent targets going to the backfield and we got three guys uh, splitting. I mean, even Ingram's workload is hardly ingrained like it was last year. He had at least 12 touches in all but two games last season. He has not reached that mark uh, yet this year. So he is not even like, you know, the cemented number one guy anymore. It's way more of a split uh, committee with him, Dobbins, and Edwards. And, you know, two touchdown favorites this week. They're going to score touchdowns. I'm sure his backfield will be responsible for some of them. Uh, it's just a matter of can they make most of those eight to 12 touches. So I think, uh, you know, if you don't, if there's a lot of injuries going on, bye weeks are going to be coming up. There's worse people to have than, you know, part-time players in this Ravens uh, high score in offense. But uh, there's just, you know, it's, it's just the touch ceiling is limited. You know, I think that 12 to 15 range is looking like a best case uh, scenario outcome. Dynasty wise, yeah, man. I think 2021, uh, again, if Ingram leaves, I mean, Dobbins going to be a top, what 20 pick worst case and potential, you know, to rise up in that first round potentially if uh, he has a nice little end of the season. So, uh, all the talents there, you know, as a Columbus, Ohio lifer, I've always loved uh, Dobbins and the things he brings uh, to the table. Not a ton of touches at the moment, but I think that'll change worst case by next season. Awesome, awesome, absolutely love it. So we, we've talked about uh, a few different names, some guys you think potentially could be could be in some blow up spots this week. But I got to I got to ask you, uh, we we all know and and love the helicopter. Who's on the Who's on the short list at the moment, uh, based on your research? Who are some some names that you're you know that you're stewing over to 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 fire into the chopper for for week four? Yeah, Chopper has been crashing a lot this year. You, you <laughs> yeah, Black Hawk, Black Hawk is very much down. I know. It's it's so sad. I hate it. I, I would lose all my season-long leagues just to get this damn helicopter off the ground, but <laughs> it's all good. Uh, I'm doing my finalist article this afternoon, so I don't have it zeroed in yet. I will just say, you know, looking at the kind of landscape this week, it's pretty clear that, like, the real chalky range of running backs is going to be 5,500 to 6,000. You got Drake in there. Montgomery with a roll increase, David Johnson, finally a reasonable matchup, Mike Davis, Joe Mixon, just a ton of guys right there. So, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I think at 6,400. 
I think people are going to be a little bit afraid of that Patriots matchup, even though while their secondary remains good, the front seven's meh. And we've seen Andy Reid and these Chiefs running backs, I mean, from Kareem Hunt to Damian Williams, just absolutely roast uh, this Patriots team, you know, out of the backfield. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, the floor is always going to be pretty good when you got Patrick Mahomes under center. So, uh, like what I'm seeing out of Clyde and, you know, just even moving up. I mean, Jonathan Taylor at 6,600 looks like he's going to be coming a little bit more under-owned than usual just because there's so much value down there. So, you know, looking at that kind of over the 6,000 range, maybe these guys aren't as much of a smash spot as, you know, the 55 to 6,000 uh, range backs. But I think there's enough, uh, you know, talent there and then just touch floor for them to still do a thing. And that wide receiver, you, we're seeing a couple uh, really good options actually in that range we're trying to avoid um, for running back because Will Fuller's coming in as pretty chalky. Uh, DJ Moore's coming in as pretty chalky. And we got, uh, you know, multiple options right in between them that I think can do some big things. Odell Beckham against the Cowboys secondary mm-hmm. that as bad as the Cowboys secondary has been this year, it, it should even be worse. They are the league's worst defense. And ter- okay, they have the highest drop rate against so no one's been dropping passes more often than they have been against the Cowboys and yet they've you know still just been that bad so absolutely ridiculous out of Dallas so not expecting a turnaround and could be a game that forces Mayfield to throw the ball uh Terry McLaurin versus the Ravens I mean you know I had a helicopter crash with with, with Will Fuller uh, against these guys just hoping that maybe that secondary wouldn't be holding up quite as well without Earl Thomas mm-hmm. uh, eventually we kind of saw it come to fruition a little bit more against Patrick Mahomes the Chiefs Obviously, Dwayne Haskins and Washington uh, are, are quite as capable <laughs> as Mahomes as exploited now. But Terry McLaurin, you know, I think is talented enough to still put his numbers up, even if, you know, they're losing this game by uh, 30 plus points. And, and yeah, so I would say, you know, OBJ, I think right now is just kind of my uh, favorite to bump up mm-hmm. because he's had that Stefan Diggs role in Cleveland where he's getting, you know, the long targets down the field. And he's looked really good out there. I mean, that double movie put on William Jackson uh, two weeks ago is absolutely filthy. Uh, he seems much healthier than he was last year. And, you know, he's, he's, he just seems to have his head on straight this year. And, you know, I've always hated the idea that he's had these off-the-field issues anyway. I mean, it's like him, okay, he's messing around with the kicking net after putting up another 200 yards. Like, all right, chill out, everyone. I mean, who cares? Right. I mean, He's never killed anyone. So, like, yeah, calm, calm down with the OBJ off the field stuff. But, you know, he is just – we've seen kind of, you know, the up and downness on the sideline. He seems to be in a good place right now, and I think we could see a really big uh, blow-up coming. This could be the spot for it. Uh, if we're going to have the press ownership to go along with that, man, sign me up. Yeah, I, I, I like a lot, a lot of those calls, especially the McLaurin one, though, because you'd have to think his ownership is just going to be – really really low yeah Yeah, it's because everyone just sees that versus versus the ravens yeah no 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 thank you not going to be doing that so i like that call and yeah uh, i I know Corey is going to be going to be pleased uh to project or to to hear about a potential obj blow-up game because he he was one (laughs) of one of the one of the guys as well right yeah, he's one of my guys that yeah, I, I said it would finish in the top ten, but uh <laughs> maybe you just pick it up. <laughs> yeah. He might he might need a couple more uh, you know, big big games. Blow up uh, games, yeah. games including including the this week against the Cowboys. Yeah, I, I love it. I love it. All right. It is now time for our top sport bet of the week. And um for the uninitiated, Ian, what you won't know, but we we are supported by a, a, a great sports book here, topsport.com.au. Uh, and each week I like to pull together a bit of a long shot bet, a, a, a parlay situation. 
And I've been targeting Thursday night football because, you know, getting a little action on the game makes it more palatable, especially when we're watching uh, Brett Rippon led Broncos <laughs> against Adam Gase and the, the, the New York Jets. My goodness. I don't know what the broadcasting uh, where, where you live is like, but they were running on ESPN here. Every commercial break they were running like Thursday night football. Bronco, uh, Jets, and Bronco, you're like, oh my goodness, you guys just need to do yourselves a favor and stop promoting this game. Maybe just do like a just do a rerun of an old classic or something like that. But here's what I've come up with over at topsport.com.au. It's four legs. We got Sam Darnold at least 10 rushing yards. We've got Frank Gore at least 16 carries. Now, the reason I've gone for this because the Jets are the most run-heavy team in neutral. Uh, game situations right now, according to to Sharp Football statistics. But this was the stat. This was this was absolutely crazy. Not really related to Frank Gore, but it just shows you how anemic the Jets have been. They have run eleven plays in a neutral or positive game script situation. Oh eleven plays. <laughs> that's like that's, you can't even get down that's an it. opening drive and just <laughs> and stay in a neutral game script situation. That is appalling. But I do think they're just going to, you know, they're going to be stubborn. Uh, Adam Gase is running the ball at extremely high rate on second and long. So I think Frank Gore, 16 carries is okay. Melvin Gordon, at least 18 carries. I think with the quarterback situation there, they're going to try to take the ball out of Rippon's hands and, and, you know, run the football, get Melvin Gordon going. Uh, and, and then finally, the fourth leg of this bet is Noah Fan at least 46 yards. And I just think he's going to be a big, big presence. We've, we've seen him step up with, with Cortland Sutton out. And the odds here for this multi-bet, folks, if you want to get, get on it, are paying $11.25 and uh, convert, converting that into the, the language that Ian speaks is plus, plus 1,025. So the odds, are, the odds are pretty big there. And I don't think I, you know, any of those legs in themselves are, are crazy propositions at all. Um, obviously, the risk comes with, with, with folding them into the, uh, into the parlay there. Um, but yeah, do you, are any legs there that you think are incredibly suspect, Ian? Or have I, have I read that situation potentially okay? I think you're good. It's hilarious how Gase has insisted on feeding Gore, you know, 15 plus rush attempts and games are losing yeah. by multiple touchdowns. But that's the reality of the situation we're in. So I'm still reeling after losing my uh, LaVisca Chenault props from last Thursday night. But we're going to come back strong uh, this week. But uh, I would uh, throw a few uh, just o overs out there. So one trend I've I found so far, and it's, you know, three-week sample size. I'm not saying this is a sure thing, but so far this has hit on a 12 or 15 instances where uh, one of the things I look at, I have an article called The Mismatch Manifesto. I take an offense's uh, EPA estimated points added per play, and I add that to their defense's estimated points per play uh, allowed um, and then so when you get that, you get one number. It's just an easier way of looking at matchups and, you know, right. going, oh, 20th versus 16th every time you get one number. And anyway, yeah, I've had a bunch of success betting on overs when we get a matchup featuring two teams with a positive uh, offensive combined EPA. So pretty much like just situations where both offenses are set up with good matchups uh, with the metrics. And again, 12 and three this year uh, when I'm betting the overs on it and, you know, even the ones that I've missed been pretty close. So this week's applicable matchups. Now the game totals are getting higher. We're seeing these, you know, in 
the kind of the yeah. lower mid fifties. I know scoring's been up around the league, but so far, I mean, it's been working. And you know, these weeks applicable matchups: uh, Saints, Lions, Jaguars, Bengals, Vikings, Texans, Seahawks, Dolphins, Browns, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Bills, Raiders, and Falcons, Packers. So, uh, you know, quite a few to go from there, absolutely. And you know, I would you know look at, uh, for example, like Jaguars, Bengals has a super low pace, and you know, some of these were if the Lions already moved by four points on the over under, maybe don't go chasing that, such as in the uh, Vikings Texans uh, game. But, you know, I do think uh, in general with uh, the league, with holding calls down, I think like a, a huge chunk from last season, we have seen a higher scoring to start. And, you know, I don't particularly expect that to stop uh, in the immediate future. So, you know, keep pounding those overs because as, as you know, I think uh, Barstool Big Cat likes to say, life is too short to bet the under. Absolutely. That's all that comes to my head is always Big Cat. Life's too short. Life's too short to bet the under. It really is. It makes the game so much more fun when you're cheering for points and so much more infuriating when, you know, they decide to go for three or the the kicker misses the extra point. You're like, oh, the the, the tilt is the tilt is unreal. Uh, That's that's awesome. All right. We've got one last one last segment, and then we're gonna let you get on with your day. We we appreciate your your, your time, uh, uh, Ian, coming on the show. And and last time you were here, we played a little bit of a preseason fantasy blind date. And I've drawn up another another game. I found some more players. We've got three weeks of data. We've got three weeks of production now. And so we're playing fantasy blind date. I've got two running backs. Uh, so two sets of running backs and two sets of wide receivers. I'm going to give you some metrics and let, let's see let's see who you come out with. All right, so we'll start with the running backs. And, you know, Corey, you're going to you can jump in here as well, please. Running back A has a 79.1% opportunity share and a 17.8% juke rate. Player B has a 782 opportunity share and a 30.5% juke rate. Which which running back do you want, A or B? Okay, people hate broken tackle statistics. Is B Antonio Gibson? Because maybe? B is not Antonio oh, Gibson. Okay, I want B though, because the thing about, I know I know you don't get, bro- I don't even look at stats for broken tackles, but if the opportunity is equal, I want the guy that's making more plays happen. And I do uh, continue to think it's a sign of the better player. Now, why am I wrong? And who is player A and B? <laughs> well, player B is Joe Mixon. All right, there we go. Corey, <laughs> uh, I've opened one door. I've opened one door. Do you want? Do you want to ride? You want to ride with your guy, Corey, or you want to? You want to? You want to take a look at, at player A. Is player A Singletary? It's not. He had okay. a game last week, though. Player A is Miles Sanders. Okay. So I mean, I, either of I, I like Miles Sanders better. My guy, <laughs> B is B is Corey's guy. Um, so yeah, you've got you've got you've got Joe Mixon in the first. First door, we went went behind. Uh, all right, the second uh, grouping of running backs. Uh, running back A has a 17.8% target share, has run 58 routes, and caught 96 receiving yards. Player B also has a 17.8% target share, has run 53 routes for 95 yards. Just on their receiving work, are we going behind? Door number A, door A, or door B? Oh, man. I thought one of those was Austin Eckler, but he's ahead of that. Um, 
Yeah, give me – I think with running backs more and more because we don't see as many uh, check down targets as – I think you would think kind of across the league. So you want the guys that even if the, you know, normally I, I think we look at routes and we want, you know, guys and, and routes can be indicative of future targets for sure. But I think running back more so than others, we're just, you know, it, it, you can't have situations where guys are getting fed the targets uh, even, like Josh Jacobs. Like he's not out there as much towards the end of the year, but they actually are looking for him more often on the first read uh, this season. I'll go at running back. A. You're on running back. A, Corey. Yeah, you have to take A. I mean, they're basically the same thing. Just one has just a little bit more. Route. They are running r- running back A is Rex Burkhead. Rex, oh no, and r- <laughs> running back B is one Mister Aaron Jones. Oh my God, why would you do this to us, man? Aaron Jones and <laughs> I, Burkhead. I, I couldn't believe it. I was going through the the. Uh, data database that uh, Mr. FF Spaceman has. Check his database out. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, but yeah, identical target share, almost run the same number of routes. I couldn't believe it. Clearly, Burkhead's total is inflated by 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 one game there. But I thought that was that was too good of a landmine to to not put in. And wow. so yeah, congratulations, guys. You're going home with a shiny used <laughs> Rex Burkhead. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you know what's funny about that game too burkhead had a three touchdowns but sony michelle like looked as good as he has over the past two seasons that dude was breaking a ton of tackles i don't think he's gonna be usable moving forward i mean his expected fantasy points weren't high at all like he was just kind of ripping off big runs in the middle of the field cam's still the goal line back burkhead's still getting the targets it's just a like new england is just a mess and once it's a you know it's a good real life mess because they have a bunch of uh you know running backs that are playing well but yeah no give me a i'm gonna go on a limb here and say give me aaron jones over uh rex burke and now that i know who they are <laughs> yeah bold bold fantasy take a <laughs> all right i love it let's move on to the the wide receivers here so wide receiver a has uh 27.8 percent of the team's air yards uh, and they're averaging 2.3 fantasy points per touch a wide receiver b has 28 percent of the team's air yards and is averaging 2.7 fantasy points per touch do we want uh, wide receiver A or wide receiver B? It's a trap. Wide, yeah, I know it's a trap, <laughs> but give me wide receiver B. It feels B. like a trap. Wide receiver B is a guy, you know, we talked a little bit earlier. It's uh, Robbie Anderson. Oh, no. Who's A, so though? You, <laughs> ooh, that's a, that's a, you know, I'm just going to call you uh, Bill O'Brien from now on because you're also neglecting and discarding DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my God. Robbie and DeAndre, oh my goodness. I cannot believe how fast those dudes have taken off. Hopkins is on pace for like 170-some receptions. Crazy. Yeah, he, he truly is the, the outlier at wide receiver and just quarterback play. Obviously, Kyler's been great, but he just goes out there and just gobbles up targets from, from, from yeah. everyone. He's, he's, he's absolutely yeah. crazy. All righty. And uh, the um, final... The final wide receiver on, on this episode of Fantasy Black Date, uh, wide receiver A has uh, two points. Uh, what is that? Uh, 2.6. Two, 2.6 yeah. yards per route run. Yards per and yards, yeah, yards per route run and 74 yards after catch, as well as four red zone targets. And wide receiver B is it also at 2.6 yards per route run and 61 yards after catch with zero red zone targets. I think red zone targets can be uh, overrated. So I'm going to go wide receiver B and tell me why I'm wrong. Corey? Oh, have you, have you seen I'll it? 
you know you know you know what you didn't you didn't fall into the trap this time because you you turned down a, you turned down a date with uh you know epic slot receiver and rapper cole beasley and in, and instead you're going on on a date with the uh you know one of the best deep threats in the league dk metcalf so you uh, you say that now though, man. But Beasley might be set up well this week if uh, John Brown is if John out. Brown's is <laughs> so I mean it's it's all sounding fine on uh, Thursday. I'm happy to be one and three right now. But uh, yeah, I think we're gonna turn around uh, on Sunday and be like, how the hell did Cole Beasley outscore DK Metcalf this week? <laughs> and I'm gonna remember this moment. So uh, <laughs> you, can, you can hold hold on to this. I'm yes. gonna find that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot a message to the guys at Top Sport and find what odds they're gonna give me for Cole Beasley to have more fantasy <laughs> points than DK this week. We'll call it the hard it's special. Um, yeah. This and sure. this is. This has been awesome. Uh, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time. I know, I know it's early in your neck of the woods. Uh, you know, just letting you know the first day of October is a really good day, so you've got that to look forward to coming up. Since we are in the in the future here, uh, yeah, just we yeah really appreciate you having on. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. You are you know you've uh, been on twice now. We'd love we'll love to have you back. Um, Corey, anything else you wanted to add, man? Before we wrap things up here and let Ian get on with his day and grinding out his uh, content. No, that's for sure. We'll let him go. He had to get up nice and early to join us today. So I really appreciate it, Ian, uh, once again, for having you on. Appreciate you guys. Always good uh, talking ball with the uh, Aussie fam. You know, you, you, t- t- the, t- the two sharpest guys I know in Australia, and I, I enjoy the uh, I, I enjoy the good uh, Twitter content, as always. So uh, thanks, dudes, and everyone out there. You know, make sure you check out PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at iHeartIt's and, you know, a bunch of stuff uh, coming pretty much every day of the week. So, yeah, dudes, we'll definitely do this again sometime. Yeah, uh, awesome. And, yeah, by the way, the intro to the PFF Podcast absolutely slaps. That is a, that is, that is a great opening. Dude, so, yeah, I, I, sure. wanted, um, I wanted Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix, and I was told that was far out of our price range, but, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> Hey man, it's good. Comes in a, you know, a close second best. It, it's yeah. great. Uh, it's awesome. Ian, thanks so much for joining us, man. Uh, you take care and you, you, uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks, dudes. Thanks a lot. Uh, alrighty. Um, that was awesome. Uh, Corey, that was, uh, that'll, that'll just about do it, uh, for, for the show. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we, we get on out of here? No, just, as far as um, streaming defenses, because I had to do that this week, um, mm. I was kind of looking looking at the Cowboys. Was kind of interesting to me, and I know they've been brutal, um, but they've played some of the toughest offenses. Don't look at me sideways. Um, <laughs> <laughs> their schedule gets a lot easier coming coming um, ahead here, and I think especially this week. Against <laughs> JA's, like, what? <laughs> um, especially this week against um, the Browns, I, I think they could cause some issues for Baker and company. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this streaming defenses, DFS defenses. <laughs> The points don't matter too much. You know, obviously check your scoring. If points are going to absolutely smash you negative, uh, negative scoring, then maybe maybe don't don't do that because we expect some points in this game. But we know Baker Mayfield is good for some turnovers, some questionable decision making at times. Uh, so sacks. some sacks, some turnovers, maybe maybe Alden Smith gets up in there and and you know gets a, gets a strip sack, forces a fumble, something like that. So uh, they'll be they'll be free. They'll be on the wire for sure, and they're probably going to be one of the lower-priced defenses on, on DraftKings, I'm sure. So 
Yeah, uh, it, it's an interesting it's one. I won't be. Play. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's a sneaky play. Injury. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be dropping uh, you know, Tampa Bay defense for them or anything like that. <laughs> no. But if 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 you no. uh, do need a defense and you really are hardcore streaming, that that that's that's worth a look. Um, you know, I'm just just going to kick kick it to you. Uh, you know, off the cuff, is there any quarterbacks you like streaming this week? Ooh, off the cuff, not ripping. Yeah, man. I'm not, I'm not playing ripping. You're not playing Brett um, ripping. Uh, definitely not. <laughs> um, we did talk about we did talk about like Fitzpatrick's interesting this week, right? Against Seahawks. Um, I mean, we did bring up you know Seattle's defense not great. Um, Fitzpatrick has been very serviceable. Um, if he's out there, I, I would play him. Yeah, if you're if you're uh, you're scrambling for for a quarterback or maybe a, a second quarterback in a super flex two quarterback type league, uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, if if he's out there, is is very much in play. I mean, we talked about it with with Ian that the the Seahawks defense is not good. They've given up eight million yards to wide receivers through <laughs> through three weeks. So we like Parker, we like Preston Williams, we like Gasicki. Uh, let's do the flow chart. It all stems from from Fitzpatrick, who we know is just going to continue to sling it, no matter how many turnovers he has. So, yeah, he he is he is uh, you know a potentially good streaming quarterback and and definitely someone who's going to be available. So, yeah, I'm I'm for sure for sure with you on that one. Um, and go, I guess, going against the grain a little bit is uh, of your of your uh, de- defense call here. But Baker Mayfield is you know. On waiver wires all over the place. He's not not Gross. you know a, a guy. You rush so people. Out. Are... I'm Baker. I'm so out. <laughs> hey man, I he still throws a pretty. He still throws a pretty deep ball, especially on play action, and I think that's going to be uh, going to be certainly um, you know in, occurring against against the Cowboys this week. So Baker Mayfield is the guy that I'm I'm willing to stream. We got a question come up here from from Logical Realist uh, uh, on YouTube. We appreciate you you watching. We'll we'll handle this before we we get out of here. Why is Devonte Freeman inactive? Uh, this is news to me. Uh, I didn't even r- realize. Is this is this what what what's going on? Um, I'm going to do a quick Google scramble here. This is uh, let me Devonte Freeman, Roto World. Let's see what's going on. Is he inactive this week? Already? I it'd be an, an early shout. I mean, he he, yeah, he had five. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Yahoo has him. Yahoo has him inactive. That's weird. I I don't play any leagues on Yahoo, so maybe that's like a a, a glitch with Yahoo or something. But I haven't seen anything to to indicate he he uh he might not be out and certainly nothing on roto world and they're usually pretty quick uh but if 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 that is the case that's 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 certainly interesting i'm not sure why he would be an active considering they they just signed him he's healthy strange one strange one but we'll have to take that one take that one offline and and, uh yeah if, if, if you're listening go go and find out Oh, there we go. ESPN and CBS has him active, according to Logical. I think this could just be a, like a, a mistake from Yahoo. The Yahoo thing. Yeah, could just be some glitch. They're gonna that they're, they're gonna fix up. But yeah, no news is, uh, that that I can find on Roto World has popped up about Devonte Freeman. But you know, probably not wanting to play him. Uh, play him anyway if you if if, if you can uh, if you can avoid it. All right, Corey, let's get out of here, man. This was a great show. 
Um, thank you to everyone who tuned in, who watched, who shared. Make sure you subscribe, follow Corey on Twitter at cmoney52. You can follow myself at ff underscore down under, and you can follow uh, Ian Harditz at iHarditz uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, check out all his work at PFF Fantasy. It's just some great, great stuff. We we really appreciate appreciate his time and uh, you know uh, come, come and hang out and talk in fantasy football early in the morning. So shout out to Ian once more. Uh, but that'll do it, man. I'll catch you next week and have have a great week of fantasy football. All right, man. Sounds good. We'll see you next week. <laughs>